Welcome to the Front Stretch Race Fans, presented by Joe's Karting and Council Bluffs, online at joeskarting.com. Fast-paced white-knuckle racing just across the river on 23rd Avenue. Get over to Joe's Karting today with a little indoor kart racing. No interview for tonight. We had Kyle Burke scheduled, but unfortunately, uh, he's going to be end up working through the night as he continues to uh, harvest. Yeah, well, when I talked to him earlier this afternoon, they've been having some equipment issues, so I think they're probably trying to make up for downtime. Yeah. But yeah, they're doing, uh, they're harvesting popcorn. You know, he's only the second person I've ever heard to do that. And I understand that it's a very difficult process. Not, um, well, maybe not difficult, but just um, in order for my, my former brother-in-law used to do it. And he said that he had a contract with Oval Redenbacher and that their parameters to be able to buy the popcorn from him were very, very tight. And it was a very big pain in the butt. Yeah. The only thing he mentioned to me today when we were chatting about it just a little bit, is that evidently it doesn't grow as tall as regular corn, so it's a little it's a little harder to see and to harvest. Yeah. Well, we got a pretty long show lined up for you today. A uh, lot to talk about, so let's get to it. Unfortunately, we got to do one of these things where we have to start out the show with some horrible news. Uh, Dirt Late Model Hall of Fame and World of Outlaw Late Model announcer Rick Eshelman disappeared, I believe, on Tuesday of last week. There was a big social media push to uh, to track him down, and uh, it, his son announced, I believe, on Friday. No, it would have been Saturday that they had confirmed his father had had uh, passed away and has taken his own life. Uh, I never got to hear Rick call a race. I, I haven't been much into the national touring series for late models, really. Just uh, my experience when the Lucas Oil late models come to town for the uh, Silver Dollar Nationals. If they happen to come for a different one, like the Go 50 or the Lucas Oil Late Models at Knoxville. So I never really got to hear Rick call, but uh, seen some big outpourings on Saturday and Sunday and still today of uh, people giving their support to the family. Um, apparently, he was just a, a really, really great guy and gave a lot of people some chances and um, built some really big relationships. But um, uh, always tough to hear that somebody takes their life. Yeah, I mean, it. It's sad when you hear it because, you know, I mean, I know there was a, a joke a few years ago about how they compared being uh, stupid to being dead. But, you know, he, he the person that does that doesn't know what they do to everybody that's involved with their life. Yeah. You know. Yeah. The court, and uh, the, the best the, saying I've, I've ever heard for that is that suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Uh, Unfortunately, it was said by uh, Robin Williams and uh, another celebrity that took his life and and uh, left this world way too early. Uh, but you know, I I know plenty of people that have that have dealt with it or continue to deal with depression. Uh, I've dealt with it from time to time. It's just a natural state of having our elevated consciousness that we're going to deal with the the bad thoughts, the negative thoughts. Uh, some people don't get to take the reprieve like I do when. Um, just I'll go six, eight months and just have a great time. And then all of a sudden one month it'll hit me. But, um, I've, I've got Sarah that's always backed me up and she's had tough times. Uh, Dirk, I'm not going to speak for you, but I can only imagine sometimes going through dialysis and, and stuff with your kidney that you've had some pretty negative thoughts, but, uh, yeah, suicide's it, never the answer. To be honest with you, that really never sent me, you know, into that type of tailspin. A lot of other things have. Yeah. And my own father did it. So, you know, I became the man of the house at eight years old because of it. So, yeah. 
um, you know, it hit real close to home for me. And I had uh, several friends, four right off top of my head within five years out of high school that did it. Yeah. You know, and when, when you don't know why, to me, that's always the biggest deal. Mm-hmm. You know, when you get into advanced age people and whatnot, I had another friend that did it and he'd always complained of real bad headaches and stuff. And, you know, uh, everybody speculated after he did it that he found out he had some type of a terminal brain cancer or something. This is back in the early 80s. Yeah. You know, but nobody knew because he didn't tell anybody anything. Right. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. When Uh, you don't know if there's not a note or somebody didn't talk to him or anything like that. That's the part that really bothers me, especially if it's a close friend. If you, you know? could have said, if did you ignore a text message that hit them a little too hard, or uh, you know, there's so many what ifs to all the friends and family that are left behind. I'm not trying to guilt anybody into this, but just maybe trying to open the eyes that um, there's so many people that depend on you, regardless of how lonely you feel. So yep. if, if if you're feeling it, if you're depressed, if if you're having a tough time. It's not a weakness. Uh, reach out, call a friend, uh, reach out on social media to somebody. There's always somebody out there that is willing to stop what they're doing and talk to you. But even if you don't have somebody locally, you can call the National Suicide and uh, Crisis Lifeline. You can either call them or you can actually send them a text message. 988. It's really simple. 988. Just talk to somebody. It could it could change your life. <sighs> so, um, Yeah. Racing world dealing with the loss of Rick Eshelman. Uh, so tough to hear that. Other news. Um, we didn't get a chance to talk about it, but it was well publicized over uh, social media. Alex Bowman missed Sunday's race at Talladega with a concussion. I think that uh, we're probably not going to see Alex back for the remainder of the season. Uh, that, at, that's my guess. To be at this point, he, yes, he's still in the, 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 the playoffs, he's 54 points out. He's the 12th man. They're the 12th car uh, as four are going to get eliminated this weekend. I don't see him coming back this weekend to try to make it into the next round. That I mean, that's just reckless. Yeah, I, I don't see that either. And that's why I see him going ahead and sitting out the rest of the year, kind of the Kurt Busch type deal that just yeah. happened. Yeah. Um, you know, and he manned up and said, you know, hey, this is the way it is. You know, When Kurt Busch got hurt, and you're hearing all these, you know, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kyle Busch, or excuse me, Kyle Larson. I think Kyle Busch had said something too. The impacts in these cars, there's something about them that are making the impacts much more shocking to the system, uh, that they're hard hits. And there's been video released of of Alex sitting on uh, pit lane, and you could just see him grimacing, even with the helmet on, just the way his eyes react. You can see him grimacing in pain. Uh when Alex announced that his uh, concussion that he's going to be missing the race because of a concussion, that was the beginning of me finally thinking, well, maybe, you know, Kevin Harvick's not just, you know, being the loudest talker. Maybe there actually is an issue with this car. Well, one of the things that I thought about, and I mean, we talked about it very briefly, clear at the beginning of the year with the independent rear suspensions on these cars. Um, I think that they're loose enough in retrospect as opposed to a a solid axle rear suspension that they have much more give, which gets the energy into the frame of the car quicker and more. Okay. 
You know, it, it's kind of along the lines of a wingless sprint car. Yeah. That the wing absorbs a lot. Exactly. Exactly. It absorbs the energy. And I think a lot of that in a solid axle car, because like Kurt Busch's deal was with the back of the car. I didn't see Alex Bowman's hit, so I don't know if it was with the back of the car or the front of the car. I don't know how he hit. I, th- I think it was it was it was same thing. He started to spin. He collected it. But then the car, you know, he's sideways coming out of the corner and then his car backed into the outside retaining wall, which would be the same thing as Kurt Busch did it at Pocono. Yeah, exact same scenario. And uh, but again, that goes to my issue of of the uh, independent rear suspension as opposed to a solid rear axle. I think the solid rear axle is big enough, solid enough that it absorbs some of the energy and doesn't move as far as fast as what the independent rear end does. And like I said, gets the act gets the crash and the impact to the frame so much quicker. Mm-hmm. But again, I'm not an engineer, you know, uh, to me, to me, it just sounds a hell of a lot like common sense. Yeah. And it, it you know, it's something that, I mean, they, they've, they went a long ways redesigning this car, trying to make uh, trying to make a lot of changes to it to make it more. Um, what do I want to say? Kind of more like a Formula One car. Well, <laughs> there's a I think there's a lot of features that they thought were going to work out really well to save teams money. That if they needed to replace the front clip of the car, the front end of the car, that it should be easy to replace. That there's single source part. There was just a lot of things that that went into this car. I'm sure when the the original next gen car came out, I think it was the, it ended up being the Gen Five car came out. That there were some issues that they had to work through also, and that's what we're we're seeing this year is that they're working through these issues. And you know, it, these things these are not issues that NASCAR is able to make a change from Talladega to to Charlotte. They're they're going to have to do a lot of testing and a lot of figuring out and. Hopefully they're starting that so that they can get the process done in the next two months and get it ready for Daytona next year, as opposed to starting it in the off season and it won't be ready till mid season next year. Yeah. Um, you really don't know how much they're going to be able to do um, being in the middle of the playoffs like this, mm-hmm. you know, five races left in the season. How much, how much are they actually going to be able to get accomplished on something like this? Now, maybe they can start putting their ducks in a row. So come mid-November, they can get on top of this. But, you know, I would have would have thought that, you know, they'd have probably taken a, a real serious look at, at Kurt Busch's deal at Pocono because I've seen that wreck a million times. Yeah. And it's not conducive to a concussion. Yeah. And, you know, NASCAR's – NASCAR may very well be doing this They're They've not been the kind of sport to come out and say, Hey, we're looking at safety issues with our car. Cause that could cause a heck of a lot of issues until they get the safety issue figured out. Well, it would definitely cause a bunch of uh, uneasiness amongst the insurance companies. All these drivers are dealing with. <laughs> yes. And, and open them up to maybe liability. If, if they know they've got an issue and the testing or the, they haven't been able to figure out the problem yet. And a driver, I don't know. Alex Bowman gets hurt and he finds out, well, they knew that this was an issue and they just, you know, they announced it, whatever. There could be legal ramifications to this. I'm going way down a rabbit hole, but NASCAR may be working on this. And I find it very hard to believe that they're not able to look at the real time telemetry on these cars 
and not be able to see if there is more of a G-force load on the drivers than in the previous generation cars when they have accidents. Well, they've got, and I assume they still use it because they developed it after, um, I think it was right shortly after Earnhardt's accident, um, either later in 2001 or 2002, they started putting deals in the driver's door. And to me, it looked like a cassette, uh, a VHS tape. Mm -hmm. But this little black plastic box thing measured G-forces somehow. How it worked inside, I have no clue. But at any time there was any type of an accident, whether it was, and again, I was doing trucks, but whether it was two trucks or a truck backing into the wall, whatever it happened to be, you know, they had a guy that literally went around and he pulled those boxes out mm-hmm. and, you know, they went back to the R and D center and, you know, they took their information out of them. And, uh, so they, they've been studying G forces and stuff like that for quite some time. If yeah. there's some new way they're doing it with this new car, I don't know. You I mean, wouldn't expect them. Years. You'd hope they, they wouldn't be naive like that and take that system out. Like they're going to want to get all this telemetry and information and G forces and, and all of that stuff uh, for the entire life of this car so that they can continue to tweak on it and find more information. To back up your your side of it, too, I've heard several drivers talk about NASCAR can detect this stuff and it knows exactly what's going on in these cars. So they're they're probably been examining impact information and G-forces on these cars all season long. Well, yeah. Yeah, like I said, it's every accident. Yeah. You know, they're not just not just picking. Well, that looks like a bad one. We better check it. I mean, they mm-hmm. check every accident. I was in Daytona when in 2001. Um I'm going to tell you, I'm 99% sure they didn't have any G-Force equipment in the cars at that time. Okay. Now, can you pretty much figure it out? Yeah, you can tell at that point in the corner, he was doing approximately 185 miles an hour, and he stopped pretty quick, and he didn't have a whole lot of time to to scrub off uh, speed. Mm-hmm. And But I also know from being in meetings that I was in and whatnot, and the subsequent cr- crashes of about three other guys within the next six months that Dale Earnhardt Sr. had had like the top four vertebrae fused on the back of his neck. And it's very common for racers. And back then it was really common because of a whiplash, basically. Mm. They had no head and neck restraints, no Honda devices or anything like that. And so their head was, you know, like a bobblehead. And when they got into their, you know, into 20 years into their career, it was very common to have that surgery done. And the way he actually died was what's called a basal fracture, where your skull breaks off of your spine. And there was a short track guy somewhere up east. I don't remember New York, New Jersey or something that died from that. There was a guy in Missouri that died from it. And there was one other that I can't remember exactly where he was. But... uh that's when the prevalence of, you know, the Hans device got mandatory there in the middle of 2001. Yeah. So, so um, it even yeah. got mandatory in the beginning of 2002. It was part of the safety check before a vehicle went onto the track. And it wasn't in 2001, even though it was mandatory, people started to use it. It wasn't something that was checked. You just figured the driver did it. Yeah. So. Something that a lot of local drivers are saying need to be mandatory in IMCA and uh, all local tracks is that all drivers must wear Hans devices. And uh, 
unfortunately that's going to go it's going to fall on deaf ear deaf ears until unfortunately we lose a driver because of it and then maybe tracks will take the initiative and, and make drivers do it but yeah well if, if you're a driver you can do it it's not against the rules just right. do it yeah they just don't want to spend the money on it until the series forces them to do it and most series do i believe the world of outlaws both late model sprint cars, Lucas Oil late models, most of your sanctioning bodies are going to require a Hans device. Yeah. I, this I don't is more your local I tracks. I, I don't believe IMCA requires it. Uh, yeah. William Byron and uh, uh, Hendrick Motorsports have appealed Byron's penalty. So his 25 point penalty is in limbo right now. NASCAR plans to hear the appeal on Thursday as they head into uh, the Charlotte Motor Speedway, excuse me, the Charlotte Roval weekend. And I expect a, uh, an announcement will be made on Thursday about that. Do you expect any change in this penalty, them win it, maybe a decrease in the, in the penalty? Um, I wouldn't be opposed if they took the point part away from it. Like I said, I, was, I just thought it would be a monetary fine. I think to hit somebody with a point penalty like that, on a non-competition issue is wrong. Well, I, you know, if, I can make the, I can with an engine, you know, or something like that competition wise, then I would say, yeah, you know, you need a big point penalty. You know, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's I, I mean, I can like make the argument that, that William Byron costs Denny Hamlin quite a few points. And, yeah, and how many, how many points has Denny Hamlin cost people over the years? <laughs> well, we can't go back you in know. history and count it all up. I mean, we could, well, but I'm just saying, we're not going to. I'm just saying. It's it's something, if NASCAR catches it at the time, they can give Hamlin his spot back. They can put Byron to the – there's so many things they can do. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, they're claiming they didn't see it, didn't know about it, you know. Yeah, not until um, they went back to green. And it was too late to, to send Byron to the rear. To put a huge, huge penalty on his championship like they did. And 25 points is huge. Yeah. At 25 you know. points, he's back in the, the top eight. Right now, William Byron's out of the top eight. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And do you remember a time that somebody's in recent years that somebody spun another car under caution and NASCAR sent him to the rear? I, I was having trouble because I was thinking about this the other day. I have trouble remembering the last time somebody spun somebody under caution. I mean, going all the way back to when Kyle Bush wrecked Ron Hornaday at, at Texas. <laughs> and how NASCAR didn't miss that one. <laughs> you know, nobody did. Well, oh. but at that point, he took Hornaday out of the championship. And he wasn't literally. in the championship. Huh? Yeah. And he wasn't even in the championship, he wasn't eligible. Kyle Bush wasn't. Yeah. Yeah. Ron Hornaday was. Right. Ron was in it. Yeah. yeah Did they park him? Hornaday. They parked him for the weekend in the Cup Series also, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. He got suspended. Yeah. And that's only the second time I've heard of a driver um, getting suspended for something in a truck race. The other one was Harvick in 02 when he got sat down for the Sunday race at Martinsville. And that was just a two-race weekend, trucks on Saturday, cup on Sunday. Harvick got told to report to the truck hauler. He came up and he parked his truck at the back of the hauler so nobody could get in and out, went out to his motorhome and never came back. And they hollered at him one time and he didn't come in. And 
next morning they announced he was suspended from the cup race. So, so we'll have to wait and see. Uh, obviously, we're going to have our show out on Thursday, so we won't be able to talk about the results of that penalty. It means it's going to be heard on Thursday at Charlotte, but um, we'll let you guys know via the Facebook page once it gets announced of what happens there. AJ Allmendinger is expected to return to Kalig Racing full-time in 2023. And Beard Motorsports expected to return to the Cup Series in 2023. They plan to be back at the track next season, starting with the Daytona 500. The team has ran a part-time schedule since 2018. Noah Gregson has been the team's primary driver this year until Justin Allgaier subbed in for him this weekend at Talladega, who Noah was subbing in for Alex Bowman. Next year, Gregson's going to be moving to the Petty GMS number 42 full-time. So the team has yet to be uh, yet to announce a driver, although sounds like Justin Algar may be getting a shot. Yeah, well, that's that's what I like. I said I thought it was weird the other day when Gregson you know ran the three of the four races for the team and it bailed on him. Now, if he would have been going to Hendrick next year and not GMS Petty, you know, I wouldn't have thought nothing of it. But well, he probably got a little bit better of a payday racing for Hendrick than he did for Beard. I, I don't know. I, I, I'm not going to speculate on that. I, I, I won't even try to speculate on that. But, yeah, I mean, it, it was just weird. You know, I, I mean, I would have thought he was contracted with Beard for the four races. And maybe he was. We never know. They, they could have worked out a deal where Hendrick threw a little bit of money to Beard's, threw a little yeah. bit of money Beard's way. Who knows? Yeah, they buy out. Buy, contracts are bought out everywhere all the time. Yeah. That wouldn't be unusual, but. I, that's why I said, you know, I didn't consider him. And like I said, my first thought was was Justin Allgaier to take over the 48. You know, well, he ended up in the Beard car. So Justin Allgaier was up there racing, but he didn't give the Beard car near as good a run as anybody else has since they've been doing their four-race deal. I mean, Brandon Gaughan had a couple top tens in the car. And uh, Gregson had, you know, a couple good runs in it earlier this year. And... Uh, Justin Allgaier ended up a couple laps down at the end of the race. I think he was still out there running. A but... couple of more news pieces. Uh, Denny Hamlin and Steve Phillips, uh, excuse me, Steve Phelps met prior to the Talladega race. Denny has had some pretty incendiary comments about the sanctioning body seemingly um, not caring about driver safety and blaming the uh, next-gen car uh, on bad leadership. Uh, Denny spoke with the media after and said, oh, no, uh, those comments weren't directed at Steve. I think he's a terrific leader. He's the best president we've ever had. I have a lot of respect for him. Those uh, comments were not uh, directed at at Steve. <laughs> I got a real kick out of his comments because it was a total backup move. Oh, wait, no, 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 no. No, I said mean things about NASCAR, not Steve. I didn't. It, I wasn't, Steve's a really cool dude. I like Steve. Steve and I are good friends. We have a beer every once in a while. I wasn't talking about Steve. Yeah, I think he's just practicing to, uh, <laughs> you know, get into politics. So he's got to get his owner's game right. We're seeing Brad Keselowski get it figured out pretty good. Uh, now Denny Hamlin's got to get kind of get it honed in. But... It's a little bit different than being a driver. You got to word things a little bit differently. And yeah, the, basically the comments were that they had a good conversation. They talked about a lot of things. Steve's got some big, uh, big, much bigger things on his plate which I thought was a little odd that he said much bigger things on his plate than um, the safety of the car, which you would think that that would be pretty high on Steve's plate, but I I don't know. Anyways, (laughs) 
I'm, I'm just really confused by his comments because he backed up really quickly after that meeting. Um, yeah, well, he done did. What was your reaction when you saw the video clip of Natalie Decker's crew chief, crewman running out into the infield at Talladega to collect the lost tire? Um, my first thought was, what a dummy. I didn't use the word dummy, but I appreciate um, using the word dummy because <laughs> um, I'm pretty sure there was some some four letter words being flown around in your head. Well, there might not. Have, actually, I think I, I made one big long word with like four four letter words. <laughs> <laughs> I made a new sixteen letter word, but um, no, my first thought was, uh, yeah, he might not be able to work the rest of the year or he might not have a job on monday i mean several things but his instinct was right but his actions were way out of bounds and unfortunately he's not the first driver to, or the first crew member to do this um, this has happened a couple of times throughout the sanctioning or throughout the series that I don't, crew members I don't have ran out to collect a tire the grass like that to, to grab a tire I don't remember what race it was, but I've, I know of at least one. I, I see it on the YouTube channels every once in a while. The, the dumbest mistakes in NASCAR, it, you know, the, all of these, these clips of, of drivers doing dumb things and crews doing dumb things, crew chiefs doing dumb things. And one of them was a guy running out into the grass to collect a tire. And yeah, it's, I mean, obviously it just goes out saying it's a huge safety issue, but uh, apparently within five minutes of it happening, NASCAR had gone down to the pit box collected the guy and his uh his hard card and escorted him off the race off the premise of the racetrack yeah oh yeah i mean they they've got um i well again i've been out of it for 15 years so i'm not sure how many they got now but working the truck races in the past they had what they called floaters Mm -hmm. um they were like an emergency uh guy behind the wall and there were three of them they covered you know each of them covered a third of the pits and uh, you'd be sitting there working and you'd get a tap on the shoulder. And this guy would come over and said, Towers said to tell you this or whatnot. And I'm sure that's the guy that probably went over and, you know, took his hard card and, you know. Then follow me. Yep. Uh, NASCAR on Sunday. We talked about they had, they had a press conference scheduled Sunday at Talladega to make a major announcement. There was a little bit of speculation that there was a new series coming. I kind of poked the bear a little bit and said, I hope it's an electric series. Uh, it's not. It is a youth USAC partner. It's a partnership between NASCAR and USAC to create a youth series. I think this series has already been in, in action. It's been running for a few years, uh, but now NASCAR has partnered with USAC and has rebranded it the youth series. And it's going to be a um, wingless midget touring series. that's going to start up in 2023 wingless midgets so it's not going to be like the flying monkeys and the wizard of oz these are wingless midgets right right (laughs) (laughs) yeah uh sounds like the series is going to start february 26th at auto club speedway it'll race april 2nd at richmond june 4th at worldwide technology raceway park July 4th at Indy, July 23rd at Pocono, August 20th at Watkins Glen, September 3rd at Darlington, October 1st at Talladega, and October 8th at Charlotte. Now, where exactly are these cars going to race? Are they going to race like on the mile and a quarter? 
down at Gateway in St. Louis, you know, the Worldwide Technology Raceway, or are they running at some shorter track? That I've I, never I'm seen not... a midget on a one-mile track like that on asphalt. I think the midgets have run the one-mile dirt tracks there are in the country. There's a handful of them. But I don't ever recall a midget running asphalt that big. Yeah, they might have run Phoenix. I know the big USAC cars run Phoenix. What's the youth part of it? In an effort to continue to grow motorsports community and offer unique opportunities to kids and families, USAC and NASCAR have teamed up to form NASCAR's Youth Series, which will debut as a quarter midget series brand starting in 2023. The new series recognizes recognizes oh. it as, as a NASCAR regional series. Okay, so you said quarter midget. Yeah. Yeah, that's different than a midget. Okay. Yeah, it's an even smaller midget. midget. For a better terms, a hell of a lot, looks a hell of a lot like a cage cart. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah, they're more along something like that. So they're probably going to race at the the little oval, like the Legends cars or the Bandoleros, and all those different, you know, little motorcycle engine deals where all these guys have, have got a lot of experience and whatnot. Yeah. So like at, at the Roval or down at, you know, they'll race that little oval that sits in the front or at Texas, that type of deal. And we also got news uh, late Saturday that um, Jordan Anderson, who was racing in the truck series, was uh, life flighted to a hospital in Alabama uh, after receiving second degree burns. Ended up with um, second yeah. degree burns across my neck, face, right arm, hands and both knees getting cleared to go home. Uh, he was cleared to go home, I believe, Saturday night or Sunday morning. But he's on his uh, road to recovery and sounds like he's doing OK. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw a bunch of scuttle on that about keeping the fire out of the out of the interior of these trucks and whatnot. And what people don't understand is whether it's a, a dirt car at I-80 or, you know, these these trucks or whatnot. If there is a pinhole in that firewall somewhere and you're doing 100 miles an hour, that flame comes through there like a freaking blowtorch. <laughs> yeah, that was a scary situation. Um, yeah, I I really don't know what blew because the fire originally started like out of the driver's side front and kind of went, you know, I don't know if he blew a, a power steering line or an oil line or what started the fire, but they've got fire suppression in the, in the uh, cockpit. They've also got it under the hood. I mean, it's... I don't know if he hammered both of them and then just didn't get it put out, but yeah, he was going into the wall and bailing out of the car, out of the truck at the same time. And he's lucky he didn't get pinned between that wall and the in the truck. Yeah. I mean, if he'd yeah. have fallen out of it, if he'd have gotten out of it 50 feet earlier or, or two seconds earlier, he might have been on the downside of falling out of that car and got slammed into the wall. Right. Yeah, it, but, it could have been really bad. Yeah. And and also, uh, uh, well, who was it? Tyler Reddick? Um actually ran over a, an official on pit lane during, I think it was qualifying. Did you see that clip? Nope. I have not seen that clip. So I believe it was during qualifying because, uh, well, maybe not, maybe it was practice, but either way, he, you know how they pull in at a diagonal rather than pull into the pit box when they do qualifying or practice. And he was pulling in and the official was standing, uh, was standing in front of his car and he just, barely slowed down and actually kind of ran her over. And to say ran her over, it seems like a bit of a dramatic term for what I, I saw, but it did end up hurting her ankle and she had to get some medical attention. But he said that just that he kept hammering the brakes and it just how light they have that brake pedal. It wouldn't stop. 
I don't know and if we'll see any kind of a penalty that? out of that. Where was that at? That was at Talladega. Oh, well, then it would have been qualifying because they used the garage for – well, they didn't even have practice. Yeah, they didn't have practice. So it had to be during qualifying. Yeah. So, yeah, right. they set the brakes up for very little drag on the super speedways. So, yeah, I can understand how that would happen. But I'm surprised – I will be very surprised since he actually hit an official that there's not some penalty come down the pipe on that deal. We'll find out on Wednesday. Let's talk about the results from Talladega. Uh, let's see. Worst of the playoff drivers was Joey Logano, finished 27th, 16 points on the day. Then um, Kyle Larson, 18th, uh, got 30 points on the day. Good stage finishes help him salvage a decent point day. Uh, Chase Elliott punches his ticket into the next round by getting the win. Ryan Blaney uh, increases his lead going into the final race. Michael McDowell has one of his best finish, best career finishes in a Cup Series car. Uh, Ross Chastain, then Denny Hamlin are your top five. Eric Jones, Todd Gilliland, uh, Daniel Suarez, Austin Sendrick, and Chase Briscoe are your top ten. As we go into the uh, final race of the round of eight, Chase Elliott, like I said, is locked in. Ryan Blaney has a 32-point advantage over the cut line. Ross Chastain, 28. Danny Hamlin, a 21. Joey Logano and uh, Kyle Larson both have 18 points. And then Daniel Suarez, 12 points. Austin Sendrick, Chase Briscoe are tied for uh, eighth. <clears throat> Austin Sendrick has the tiebreaker, so currently he is in the playoffs, but we'll have to see what happens Sunday at the Roval. Uh, William Byron, 11 points back. Again, that could change depending on the penalty result, uh, how that penalty appeal comes out. Christopher Bell, 33 points back, and Alex Bowman, 54 points back. Again, we, we don't expect Alex Bowman to make the race on Sunday at Charlotte, so he's definitely going to get – he's more than likely going to get eliminated. Christopher Bell, not necessarily a, a must win, but 33 points behind the cut line. He's kind of got to win. Yeah, yeah, he's pretty much in a must-win deal, and – you know, I was surprised you didn't mention about, about him having a, you know, a bad day at Talladega. Because, oh, you yeah. know, I think he finished 17th, but I missed the first the first stage of the race. And when I turned it on into the second stage of the race, I hadn't had the race on a minute. They were doing their pit stops by manufacturer. All the Toyotas come, all the Fords come, all the Chevys come. And the Toyotas are coming down and they show them all, you know, getting onto pit road. And they show a couple of pit stops. They were doing fuels only, and the guys are pulling out. And they go back to Christopher Bell, who somehow spun getting onto pit road. And he came, he left the track in 13th place and came back last car on the lead lap. Yeah, I remember and seeing that in the, uh, in the replays. Lapped. Yeah, he actually got lapped. And uh, then he got the lucky dog at uh, the end of the stage. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, he could have had a decent day, but, you know, whatever he did by himself, um, I don't think they showed a replay and showed anybody hitting him, and they probably looked and saw that he did it by himself, so they didn't worry about it. But Yeah, he just he he just got on the pit road too hot, and while – who was pitting with him? Um, was it Kyle Busch? Kyle Busch. I mean, a bunch of the Toyotas pitted at the same time. Yeah, and uh, he um... – yeah, he just he he, you could see the smoke start coming up from the car, and then he couldn't get it woed up, and he the tires locked up, and he just kind of went sideways, almost hit the inside retaining wall there, but just missed it and ended up blowing a couple of tires. Just had to make a lazy drive to his pit to not damage the car too much, and 
that pretty much ruined his day. But uh, yep. like you said, uh, seven, yeah, seventeenth on the day. Didn't finish in the top ten in either stages, so he ended up walking away with twenty points on the day. Uh, that's going to do it for us for today's show. Big thanks everybody for tuning in. Uh, feel free to send us a message, uh, on anchor. Now, if you've got the anchor app, you can actually send us a voice message, your thoughts on, um, the, any of the issues going on with the car tomorrow, the, the current car oh, it was the car tomorrow was the last one. This is the next gen car. Uh, anyways, send us your thoughts on the safety of the, uh, the current generation car. That's just that drivers have been racing around for the last, uh, 31 races um, thoughts on uh, the, uh, the Cornhusker classic coming up this weekend. You can send us voice messages and uh, we'll be glad to respond to those had one driver or one gentleman that, uh, that messaged us. I'm trying to remember. Uh, I think it was speedy Smith's grandson said it was really cool to hear us talk about speedy Smith. I think you're talking about speedy Hill, speedy Hill. There we go. Yeah. Speedy Hill. Okay. <laughs> I got, I got speedy bill Smith and speedy, Speedy Hill mixed up. Excuse me. <laughs> Anyways, you can send us a voice message and uh, we've got to chat with you guys. You can also email us frontstretchpodcast at gmail.com or you can send us a message on the Front Stretch Facebook page. Uh, get down to Quaker Steak and Lube on Tuesdays now. All you can eat wings are back and it sounds like I have been challenged to a wing eating contest by the great Troy Sanford. And I am never one to turn down a challenge when it comes to food. So that may be happening in the next couple of weeks. Well, like I said, if it's a volume contest, I'm all about the volume. <laughs> I'm not right, about well, the flame. And I, it's fun to, it, you know, I, I think we should get as many people involved in this sub night and just raise some money for the Alzheimer's Association. Well, we could all, all sit down and, you know, it's going to cost us 20 bucks to eat, but we mm -hmm. all sit down and throw in a $50 bill and the other 30 bucks, you know, goes wherever. Yep. I like this idea. I'm down with it. We'll get more details together for you guys. Uh, also got to say a big thank you to Quasar Drive-In Theater. Really, really cool experience. Sarah and I went out on uh, last Thursday and watched uh, Return of the Living Dead, a terrible 1985 movie. But we had a great time at a drive-in movie theater. Really cool place. And I was absolutely blown away when they gave us a $700 check for the Alzheimer's Association. So uh, I got to say a big thanks to those guys. And of course, my old friends at 89.7 The River for uh, putting us up as Dan and Sarah's ALZ Homestead as the uh, the the benefactors, I want to say, because I don't want to call us a charity. We're, we're not a charity. We we do take a little bit of the money, but a majority of the money that we collect off of the egg sales, honey sales and, and garden item sales, um, majority of the money goes back to the Alzheimer's Association. So, um, yeah, but donating, all, the donations, all the donations go. Uh, all that $700 went to it, but like, you know, for duck eggs, we sell the duck eggs for five bucks. We take a dollar to offset some of our costs and then we donate the other four to the Alzheimer's association. Uh, so a vast majority of the money that we raise to the homestead goes to the Alzheimer's association. And got to say thanks to uh Quasar movie, uh, Quasar drive-in theater for, um, for, uh, for doing that for us. That was really awesome to do. And uh, Dirk, I, I know you've had some, uh, had some bad experience with those guys, but, I really want to put together a date, um, a uh, um, days of thunder viewing party there sometime. Yeah. I think that would be a lot of fun. And um, I'll tell you this. The other thing that we were absolutely blown away by, we went to the concession stand, two medium pops, a large popcorn, a cheeseburger, pretzel bites, nacho cheese to go with it, chicken strips and ranch dressing to go with it. 32 bucks. 
I think in a regular movie theater, we'd have been well over a hundred bucks. <laughs> all that food. I don't go to regular movies and, you know, I was at a drive-in a few years ago, so I can't mm-hmm. say I won't go to drive-ins. I drove all the way to Kansas city to go to one. So <laughs> yeah, it was really, that was my first uh, drive-in movie theater experience. And uh, I, I liked it a lot more than I was expecting. I did. So I'm going to have oh, to go man. back out there sometime. And I spent, my summers off in high school once I could drive a car almost every weekend was a drive-in. Yeah. And back then in Omaha, there were, I don't know, eight or 10 of them to choose from. It, it was really interesting. I mean, we're totally getting sidetracked here. So I apologize to anybody. If, if you guys don't want to listen to us talk, the show's over with, we're just chatting right now, but uh, it was kind of funny to me because you know, there's etiquette in a, in a, in a movie theater, you know, you, like for instance, you don't talk on your phone. You don't text on your phone. You don't turn your phone on because the brightness distracts other people i it never even dawned on me but it made a lot of sense as i was sitting there um stop locking and unlocking your car because the the blinkers flash and then everybody's distracted for a few minutes or uh or just conversations going on and they don't quite realize that your windows are open and we can hear everything uh but there's a couple of little things that because it was my first time at a drive-in movie theater that i didn't really anticipate that being an issue but sure enough it ended up being an issue Oh, yeah, you got to learn how to turn your headlights off, you know, and uh, your daytime running lamps. Uh, uh, Because any any of the drive-ins now, they run the speakers through your radio. Yeah. I mean, you used to have a corded speaker. You got up close to a post or hit the post with your car, whichever. And then you just hung the, you rolled your window down and you hung the speaker up and you could roll your window back up or leave it down, you know. But now... I know when I was there for four hours, uh, when the second movie started, I started my car up and ran it for 20 minutes to let the battery charge a little bit after running the stereo for an hour, almost two hours. There was one person that uh, that had to get a jump started, <laughs> and it, it was not me. Yeah, yeah, yeah there was one person. Not, not you and your electric car. You did <laughs> no, not need a jump start. I did not. I had plenty of juice left, but uh yeah, that was an interesting experience, and I suggest everybody go out there and give it a shot. It's a nice local business, and it turns out the owner, uh, I don't remember his name, actually works at Speedway Motors. Um, he said he he was asking me about what, what I do, and I was telling him all many jobs, and I said I do announcing at IED Speedway and Eagle Raceway, and he goes, oh, do you know Stan Caesar? And I said, yeah, and he goes, well, Stan and I are good friends. We, we talk quite a bit when he comes out and gets parts for his car, and I'm like, oh, <laughs> well, how about that? Small world, but. Anyways, nice local business out in Valley. If you guys get a chance, I'd appreciate your guys' support because they uh, gave us a $700 check and got me less than $400 away from our $10,000 goal as we get into the uh, final couple of weekends of the uh, Alzheimer's fundraiser. And uh, with this weekend being the Cornhusker Classic, I got a lot of ideas up my sleeve. I don't think we're going to have any problems getting that last stuff, $400. But if you guys want to donate to it, I would greatly appreciate it. You can find links on my Facebook page. Dirk, anything else we need to talk about? No, but I think you just ought to go ahead and, and host a cornhole tournament down there on Saturday or something for the corn husker and, and get your 400 bucks real quick. Oh, I should. Really should. I don't know if I could pull that together in time. And it's a little bit difficult transporting. Well, no, they got the boards out there. I'll talk to Lisa. Maybe we will do a cornhole tournament on Saturday. Oh, man, now you got me going. All right, that's going to do it for us today. For Dirk but Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. Want her time. That she is. Uh, thanks to Quaker Steak and Lube for always supporting the front stretch. Get out to the lube. All you can eat wings on Tuesdays. They're back. Nineteen ninety nine. 
Uh, Thursdays, still classic car cruising as long as the weather holds out. Plus, they're doing a dog costume contest coming up in a couple of weeks. And I believe they're going to be doing a trick or trunk where all the classic cars come out on um, the Thursday before Halloween, which I believe Halloween is a Monday this year. Yes, I believe it's a Monday. I've so seen several of them on Saturday, and they're yeah. actually called Trunk or Treats, not Trick or Trunk. Trunk or Treats. Right. Uh, I believe that's going to be Thursday the 27th. Uh, really cool event for kids to come out. They can do a Trick or Treating in the trunks of classic cars. So much going on over the next couple of weeks. Uh, make sure you guys get down to Quaker Steak and Lubing Council Plus for all the great food, sights, and sounds. Thanks to Rick Havenridge of Wealth Partners. Find out what Rick can do for you today, rickhavenridgeadvice.com. And, of course, get over to Joe's Carding in Council Bluffs, the Tricky Triangle Oval Slick Track Series. That's not the official name. I'll get better at it in the coming weeks. As it gets closer, I believe it starts up in November. Uh, all right, that's going to do it. Have a good weekend, or have a good week. We'll talk to you guys on Thursday. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. This has been the Front Stretch, presented by Joe's Carding. Every race car driver has run into the same problem. It's well past normal parts store closing hours, but you need that one to finish your car. The guys who brought you white knuckle racing by the river bring you Joe's Karting Racing Parts and Tire Store. Open until 10 p.m. Monday to Thursday and open until 11 p.m. on Friday and Saturday. A parts store that fits your after-hours schedule and you can turn a few laps at Joe's Karting while you're waiting for your part to get pulled from their warehouse. Joe'sKarting.com for more information. This weekend, it's the final Speedway Motors Cornhusker Classic at I-80 Speedway. Featuring Modifieds, Compact, Sport Mods, Stock Cars, Bragg and Light Late Models, and Hobby Stocks. It's one of the largest local racing specials in the Midwest. Adult tickets are just $15 on Friday, $20 on Saturday. Kids ages 6 to 12 get in for just $5 on both days. Five and under free. Get your advanced tickets now at i-80speedway.com. Say goodbye to the I-80 Speedway this weekend at the Speedway Motors Cornhusker Classic. The official watering hole of the front stretch has you covered any day of the week with the best wings, great burgers, and amazing steaks. Each weekday from 4 to 6 is happy hour, featuring dollar off draft and well drinks plus $4 Luberitas. Mondays are kids night. Tuesdays are all you can eat wings for $12.95, and the lube even delivers to the Council Bluffs area. Like Quaker Steak and Lube Council Bluffs on Facebook for a full list of weekly events. Get to Quaker Steak and Lube. Mid-America Drive, Council Bluffs.